Hi, this is Keisha. Welcome to the Face to Face podcast. So in this episode, I have been stirred to talk about the subject of bread and circuses. Um, Bread and circuses was a phrase that was coined during the time of the ancient Roman Empire. And what they would do was use things like free food and entertainment to keep the people sated and occupied. Marcus Tullius Cicero is quoted as saying, the evil was not in bread and circuses per se, but in the willingness of the people to sell their rights as free men for full bellies and the excitement of the games, which would serve to distract them from other human hungers, which bread and circuses can never appease. So I felt that my focus was not to be necessarily on that of the world, but to focus on how bread and circuses have influenced the church. I mean, it's very obvious. We can look around the American nation and we can see all the ways that this type of thing, um, you know, you can, you can go to a fast food place and get quick food and, um, you know, it's very easy to, to get things quick and satisfying um, without having to put a lot of effort into it. We see that in the world around us. We see that through um, the idolatry of sports and entertainment and, you know, concerts. And, um, but my focus isn't on what, how this impacts the world. I felt like my focus was meant to be uh, more on how bread and circuses have seeped into the American church and the impact that that is having on how we hunger and thirst for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And he doesn't always use his horns and pitchfork and scare tactics to get us to do what he wants us to do. I believe that the enemy of our souls knows just how to manipulate our weaknesses in order to get us to become complacent and, you know, the that just as uh, Marcus Tullius Cicero had said, that the evil was not in bread and circuses per se, but in the willingness of the people to sell their rights as free men for full bellies. That's what I want to touch on today. And if you'll join me in John chapter 6, Uh, beginning in one, I believe that Jesus 
made a perfect display of how easy it is for man to get caught up in having full bellies and being entertained and satisfied. So it says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread, that they may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number, about five thousand, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So let's stop there for just a moment. Jesus knew that they would be in awe of the fact that he was able to multiply the bread and the fishes. He knew that. <clears throat> he saw in the human heart how he was already being followed by this multitude, like it said, because of this, they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. So he knew that the human heart was already revealing why they were following after him. So let's go on. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose, because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were willing, they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. 
Now this section is titled The Bread from Heaven, starting in 22. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boat and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me that all, of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at that last day. <clears throat> so Jesus has identified himself as being the bread of life. He made that abundantly clear. They were definitely stuck on the bread, which he pointed out to them. You follow after me, not because of the, the things that I have done, but because your bellies are full. He pointed that out to them immediately. And still they were fixated on what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Our father's ate the bread that came from heaven. And so Jesus has made it very clear that he is the bread of life. Let's continue. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live, live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides profits nothing. The word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From this time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So, I know that was a that was quite a bit to take in, and and I hope that you'll go back and you'll read it over for yourself. But I really felt like it was important that I read that entire thing before I say what I'm going to say. Now, I'm sure that the Spirit who gives us revelation has, as we were reading that, has already been stirring you. Um, but as I said, 
Jesus made it very clear that he is the bread of life. And he pointed out to them that they were chasing after him because of the full bellies that he had given them. They were chasing after him and pursuing him in the first place because of the healing that he was, the healings that he was performing. And when he got to the part where he was talking about eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood in order to have eternal life, that the work that God had given to us in order to follow after him was that we would believe upon Jesus Christ, that we would believe upon the Savior. And this was not, this was a revealing of the heart of those who had been following after him. There was a great multitude that started out in the beginning of chapter six. There was a great multitude who were following after him. But then when he said, those who will eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, that they will have eternal life dwelling in them. And uh, they were unable to accept that. You see, what God has revealed to me is that when Jesus said these things, he was speaking covenant language to them. And they knew that. In the Hebrew blood covenant, when two people would come into a covenant agreement together, there were certain ceremonies that were performed, which of course we know that all those things in the Old Testament were, t- were type and shadow of the things to come, that Jesus himself now has fulfilled the covenant. And we just, we need to believe in him and confess him as Lord and follow after him. But back in this time when he was speaking to these disciples, which they were disciples, um, when he was speaking to them, they were living in an era where this Hebrew blood covenant was a well-known thing. And part of the Hebrew blood covenant. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I highly encourage you to seek it out for yourself. Do a Google search on the Hebrew blood covenant. Read it because the, and you know, read for yourself because the parallels between the Hebrew blood covenant and the things that Jesus has fulfilled for us. It's so exciting to see those type and shadows and what he knew that he was speaking of and and that he was getting ready to fulfill. These things hadn't been fulfilled yet, but he was getting ready to fulfill it. So, you know, part of the, the Hebrew blood covenant was that you would come together with the other person and that you would exchange, uh, bread and a cup of wine. 
and that you would feed, you would actually feed the other person the the bread and say, this is my flesh. Take this in remembrance of me. And then you would share the cup of wine and you would say, this represents my blood. Take this in remembrance of me and the covenant that we have made. And that was actually, um, that was actually a, a sign to one another. That was, that was actually a sign to one another that you were honoring the covenant that you made, that you did it in remembrance. And of course we know that Jesus later on, um, when, before he would go to the cross, when he was in the upper room, he would also do that. This is my, this bread represents my flesh and this cup represents my blood taken in remembrance of me. And it was, of course, him saying, you know, we're now getting ready to enter into a covenant agreement. And so he was speaking covenant language to this crowd of people. And he was differentiating between why they were following after him and what it really meant to follow after him. And I believe that it is so important for us to take a step back And to really, truly examine our hearts. Because what Jesus was looking for was that they would not follow after him for what he could give them. He was not desiring to be followed because they were well entertained and satisfied. He was looking for those who would follow after him because they loved him. And do we follow Jesus because we love him? He says in the book of Revelation, come back, come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. The reference to that is actually in Revelations 2. Um, he is actually addressing the loveless church in Ephesus. And in 2.2 it says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who, have, who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's a pretty powerful statement coming from Jesus to the, the church of Ephesus. 
he's saying, you know, you've, you've done all these things. You've labored for my name's sake. You've persevered. Um, you've tested those who say they're apostles. You've done all these things. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And he, he's saying he's going to remove our lampstand unless we repent. Why are we chasing after Jesus? We have to examine our hearts. This hour demands that we examine our hearts and really explore why we are chasing after Jesus. I know personally, I do not want to be like the rich young ruler. I do not want it to end up that in the day when I stand before the Lord and I say, oh, I did all these amazing things and I kept all your rules and I followed all of these rules. And he says, but did you lay it all down for me? These are the things that meant the most. And did you really do them? And if you open your eyes and take a really good look at what the American church represents in this hour, it's free food and entertainment. So much of it. I'm not pointing the finger at every church. I know there are many churches out there who are diligently seeking the face of God. But if we take a step back and really look at it through um, discerning eyes, because that's what we need. We need discerning eyes. But if you take a step back and you look, there's, you know, lights and all kinds of showy things. And there's young, talented, uh, worship artists and you know the 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 message is inspiring and you know there our senses are being fulfilled but what happens beyond that do you live a life that is devoted to Jesus Christ when the lights go off and the worshipers go home and you go back out to your car and it's just you and him, what does he mean to you? Do you keep coming back for that experience simply because your senses are satisfied? Or is the satisfaction spiritual? Can you say that you have the peace that surpasses understanding? Can you say that regardless of life circumstances, you know who Jesus is in your life? Can you honestly look at where your walk is taking you and see growth? Is your family being impacted are you in the word? Are you feasting on the word? If the Lord were to ask you right now to donate $100 to um, a family down the street who's living 
in an impoverished situation, would you just honor and obey what he told you to do, even if it meant it would only leave you with $25 for the week? Would you do the things he's asking you to do? How has this pandemic been impacting your walk? You know, there's a, there are two sides to this. There really is. There's those who I have seen grow exponentially, regardless of being separated from their church group. And there are those who have kind of struggled in there and they can't seem to uh, get a handle on it. And, you know, I, I speak love to both sides of the coin. I really do because the bread and circuses that have entered the church is deception. And we definitely have a call in this hour to examine that because here's the here is the thing that God pointed out to me that made me feel like this message was urgent. Now, I am not one of those who would claim by any means that I know what the mark of the beast is going to be. I don't claim, you know, to I know there's a lot of theories out there about what the mark of the beast is going to look at. But the Holy Spirit pointed this out to me, and so I feel I have to point it out to you. But if you read John 6, 66, after all that we've conversed about, read John 66 with me. And it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Those who will compromise and receive the mark of the beast, whatever that means, will be in a place where they are not in covenant relationship. They are not honoring covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. That is a fact. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be in constant face-to-face -face fellowship with God. We need Abba Father. And we need to honor that covenant that Jesus has taken full responsibility for. I, we have been distracted and we need to come back to our first love. And what does that look like? What does it look like to come back to your first love? Think back on when you first gave your life to Jesus. The childlike innocence and joy that you experience knowing that he set you free. And if that means that you simply have to, you know, this goes back to... Um, the podcast that I had done, Foundations, if this means that you have to knock everything down that you have learned, ask God to put it to the fire. We ask for the fire of God to fall on our lives. 
and burn away all the things that are not of him. That's what we need right now in this hour. Jesus had come to baptize in spirit and in fire. If we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to desire that fire as well. That he would burn away all the things. That he would burn away the the chafe and the hay and the stubble. That he would get rid of everything that hinders us from following after him like we did at first. We need devotion. We need, yes, we do need fellowship with the brethren. But I am not going to conform to anything that would compromise my walk with him. I have had situations where I have tried to be a part of maybe a body of believers. And I would give it adequate time, you know, ask the Lord to examine my heart and all these, you know, all these things I would bring before him and I would let him uh, help me to thresh it out. But if I did not see a biblical example, a biblical example of what God had shown me about what it means to be a body of believers, then you better believe I was not afraid to walk away and allow God to close that door. We need the fire of God. And we need we need to honor the covenant with Jesus with Jesus Christ more than we need to simply do things to please others. And I'm telling you, if you honor your covenant with Jesus above all things, he will bring you the right people. He will bring those people into your life. Because I honestly believe he would he would prefer that it just be me and him for a season. While he gets that religious garbage out of my head, which is exactly what he did. We were thrust into a situation where we had no fellowship and I was scared to death. I thought I was going to fall away. I thought that I was going to backslide. Oh no, oh no, everything that I I believe in is just going to crumble. But guess what? That did not happen. And you want to know why? Because I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And I don't need man to teach me. I have the Holy Spirit and he has written his commands upon my heart. And as long as I keep putting one foot in front of the other and each day seeking his face, reading the word, having conversations with him, crying out to him and asking him to heal my heart and make me whole. He will honor. He will honor these things in us. And he will keep us on the right path. 
he has made known to us the path of life. That's what it says in Psalm 1611. Lord, you have made known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I ask you to examine your heart, really, truly come before the Lord and ask him to open your eyes that if you've, if you've been sated in any way, that he would open your eyes to that. Even take a time of, of fasting, fast from Netflix and social media and um, all the things that you use to distract yourself. Fast from those things for a season and ask him to speak to you in the word. Ask him to reveal to you what you need to see about your current state. He desires to lead us and guide us in all truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. Like I said, I don't believe that this is all churches that this applies to. I'm not saying that by any means. Maybe you are partnered with a church that is definitely feeding you spiritually and you are growing exponentially. Praise God for that. But if you're not, if you can look back five years ago and see that you're still where you were or even in a worse situation, if you are not hungry for the word, if you are filling your life up with so many other things and you, you're battling addictions or you're, you have darknesses that you're living in, Jesus can set you free from that. I promise you. Amen. Don't be satisfied to stay there. I truly believe that the hour that we are in as the body of Christ beckons us to truly evaluate where we're at. I highly encourage you to go back through, meditate on and feast upon for yourself, John 6. It's an eye-opening word. Uh, especially in the light of that revelation. And ask the Lord, ask the Lord to protect you and keep you that you would not go back and walk with him no more. The Holy Spirit is more than able. And that's where we draw our strength. Ask for the fire of God to fall on your life. That you would desire to protect nothing from God. That you would desire to keep nothing from him. If you can put him first and foremost in your life. And be willing to walk away from the things that hinder, rather than walking away from the Lord, he will keep you. He will protect you. 
I love you all. And if you have any questions, if you have a prayer request, if you have any comment about the podcast that I've just given to you, uh, please feel free to email me at face2facekmj at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless. Thank mm-hmm. you.